Hi, I wanted to let you know that I have a brand new, totally free masterclass available and I'd love if you wanted to check it out. It's about an hour long and it goes over three simple things that every dog owner needs to know in order to teach a dog quickly and easily without pain, force, a major time investment or fancy equipment. When you register, you'll also get a free 20-page ebook all about what I call the dog training triad. You can find it at anniegrossman.com slash masterclass. And now for something completely different. Hi, my name is Annie Grossman and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. So a few years ago, uh, near where I live in Manhattan, I saw a woman walking a dog with um, a shock collar, like a, it was like a really big shock collar, bright, I think it was like bright yellow, and she had the remote very conspicuously in her hand, and um, may- maybe I shouldn't have done this, but I posted a photo of it, I think in Instagram stories, of her with the shock collar. Uh, with her dog in a shock collar, like from the back, like you couldn't really tell who she was or who the dog was. Um, again, maybe I shouldn't have done this, but turns out uh, she was a client of another dog trainer uh, that uh, has a studio not that far from uh, School for the Dogs in Manhattan and um, ended up taking the photo down, uh, but not before there was some back and forth on, uh, in comments, if I remember correctly, on this photo. Um, maybe it wasn't in stories. Maybe it was in the feed. Anyway, th- there were comments um, uh, kind of along the lines of how we, as quote-unquote positive reinforcement trainers, um, don't understand um the importance of using all four quadrants of operant conditioning and that, uh, although I think this trainer referred to them as corners, um, that we we really um, can't be good dog trainers unless we understand um, and use all four corners, a.k.a. quadrants. So operant conditioning... um, uh, is the process of learning by consequence. Um, if you do something, there is a consequence, and the consequence can either be punishing or reinforcing. The consequence can be involving adding something or subtractive, subtracting something. And uh, if you're adding something, we call it positive. If you're subtracting something, we call it negative. Uh, if you're encouraging a behavior, it's reinforcement, and if you're discouraging a behavior, it's considered punishment. So that's where we get positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment, which is often uh, called the quadrants of operant conditioning. Although a few years ago, actually, I read a, a really compelling article by Eileen Anderson uh, of Eileen and Dogs, a blog I really love, 
Um, and she made the case that uh, it is misleading to refer to uh, these as quadrants that B.F. Skinner, who codified um, so much of uh, what we what we know and talk about when it comes to operant conditioning himself, never referred to quadrants, and that the reason it's misleading is because it leaves out extinction. So you can get rid of a behavior using punishment, be it positive or negative, but you can also get rid of behaviors through extinction, which is basically when the consequence to a behavior is nothing. It's a deceptively complicated, uh, slightly confusing part of animal training that it's taken me a long time to, to understand and, and think about. Um, but it is important to, to know that uh, extinction uh, doesn't fit in neatly <laughs> within uh, the four corners, as this other trainer said, or within the quadrants. So it can be misleading to talk about quadrants. Anyway, if I'm talking about this exchange at all, it's only because I remember at the time thinking, you know, okay, true that as a dog trainer, uh, I think it is important to understand how uh, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment, how all four of these things can be used to train a dog. But ethically, I don't think we should be using positive punishment or negative reinforcement. Positive punishment, positive in that you're adding something in order to discourage behavior. Negative reinforcement being when we are encouraging a behavior because uh, engaging in that behavior takes away something bad. So positive punishment, dog training example. Uh, let's talk about shock collars, for example, how you can use a shock collar in either of these ways. So dog barks, dog gets shocked. A shock is the thing being added to the equation in order to discourage the behavior of barking. Negative reinforcement. If you're using a shock collar, that would involve, say, continuously shocking a dog with a remote collar until the dog drops something or until the dog sits or until the dog engages in whatever the behavior it is that you want, at which point the dog stops uh, getting shocked. Now, I think what, what often um, doesn't get communicated is that there is a back and forth between the quadrants, if we're going to refer to them as quadrants, and for simplicity, <laughs> let's do so, um, between the, the quadrants that are like kitty corner from each other or, or diagonal from each other. So um, if you think about waterboarding, for example, you are discouraging someone from being silent or from not telling the truth by adding something unpleasant to the equation, like water to the point where they feel like they can't breathe, that's positive punishment. And then if you are trying to encourage the behavior of them speaking, you're gonna do so by taking away the bad thing, water, uh, that is causing them to feel like they're drowning, uh, when they are supposedly telling the truth. Now what's interesting is the same thing goes in the other direction with the other two quadrants, positive reinforcement and negative punishment. Now, I have never met a dog trainer who broadcasts the fact that they are a negative punishment 
dog trainer, which is totally understandable because negative sounds like a bad thing and punishment sounds like a bad thing. But guess what? I use negative punishment every day and you can too, and it won't make you a bad person. In fact, it can often be a very mild way to discourage behaviors we don't want. A really great example of this is what we call the elevator game, which is something I have been uh, doing with my new dog, Poppy, whenever I feed her her meals. I have her, uh, her food, and usually I feed her in like a work-to-eat bowl. I really like uh, actually the North Mate Green feeder is, is my fave. So I uh, prepare her food in that. She is sitting in front of me. I cue her to sit. I am standing up straight with the bowl in my hand. And as long as her butt remains on the ground, the elevator goes down. I bend over and bring her her food. The behavior of butt on the ground is being encouraged because it is equaling food coming her way. However, the moment that her butt leaves the ground, the elevator goes up. I start to stand up. And this, my friends, is negative punishment in action. I am removing the food, taking the food away. That is why it is called negative, in order to discourage the behavior of her standing. That is why it is called punishment. It is discouraging a behavior. Usually, this results in her figuring out quite quickly, I think I should put my butt back on the ground, and the moment that she does, and by the way, I don't use a clicker or anything from the, for this, I am just, uh, I am doing it with good timing. The moment her butt hits the ground, the elevator of my body starts to go back down to bring her her food. And a tip, if you're just starting out with a young dog doing this for the first time, I usually go through those last so-called <laughs> floors, the last few inches from um, the air to the ground pretty quickly if I'm working with a young dog. But as a dog gets better and better at this, you can uh, get all the way, actually you can get the food all the way to the ground and get to the point where you are standing all the way up again and then uh, cueing your dog to go get the food. Um, but when you're just starting out, you wanna make it pretty easy and you don't wanna <laughs> you don't want to push them quite that hard. Now, you could also do this, for example, with a dog who is um, trying to burst through a door or through a gate. As long as the dog has four feet on the floor, the door opens or the gate. If the dog starts to jump, the door then closes. Or of course you could do this with a sit too. As long as the dog is sitting, the door opens. If the dog stands up, the door goes in the other direction. An example of uh, negative punishment with people would be fines. When, when you take money away from someone in order to discourage a behavior or grounding a kid, for example, similar idea. Uh, when I have to pay sales tax, uh, to the to New York City and New York State every quarter, which is like my least favorite activity. <laughs> Part of what motivates me to do it on time is I get a little bit of uh, a credit. They give you like $200 or something if you are on time. 
posit positively reinforcing the behavior of uh, collecting this money and giving it to the government. And if you are at all late, they fine you. So again, you can see that diagonal between um, positive reinforcement and negative punishment. I was trying to think of other examples um, of negative punishment in human life. Uh, so I pulled out one of my favorite books. I guess it's actually like a textbook, I think. It's called um, Behavior Principles in Everyday Life by John and Janice Baldwin. And there's actually only like two paragraphs on negative punishment in this three or 400 page book. Um, but they sure are interesting paragraphs, so I thought I would actually just read them. Punishment by subtracting. The second type of punishment occurs when an operant leads to the loss or subtraction of a positive reinforcer. When people drop or lose things of value, the loss produces a type of punishment that often effectively suppresses future clumsy behavior. Have you ever lost your wallet full of money and identification cards? You know what, and this is, this is me, I'm not reading anymore. Um, you know, what I, what I like about this first example <laughs> is that it points out that you know, uh, we're learning because of our environment and our own actions all the time. You know, so much of, of dog training is like what we, uh, comes across as like what we do to dogs. But this is just a reminder that punishment and reinforcement, not necessarily anything that we do to dogs or that is done to us. It, it just uh, occurs in life. Um, okay, where was I? Have you ever lost your wallet full of money and identification cards? The loss subtracts from your happiness and punishes the negligent behavior that led you to misplace it in the first place, making you less likely to misplace it in the future. We stop putting quarters in the candy machine after losing several quarters in a row and getting no candy. Clumsy, inconsiderate, or crude behavior in social interaction may result in a loss of friends or possible new acquaintances. When a person says something insensitive at a party and several of the listeners soon turn to join other conversations, the loss of social reinforcers punishes the behavior of saying insensitive things in public. The loss of positive reinforcers subtracts from happiness. The loss of a driver's license punishes fast driving and often suffices to suppress speeding in the future. The loss of love, when a good relationship goes on the rocks, punishes and may well suppress some of the inconsiderate behavior that damaged the relationship. Afterward, a person may think over and over, quote, I'll never be inconsiderate again. A beautiful love is so rare that I never want to lose love again, end quote. Parents can use punishment by subtraction as an effective means of behavior modification for helping children overcome problem behavior. For example, thumb sucking is a frequent and persistent response that can cause problems for many children. Thumb suckers are often teased and treated as if somewhat immature. Years of thumb sucking can also cause serious misalignment of the teeth. A study at the University of Vermont showed that thumb sucking could be totally eliminated by the second type of punishment, even in children as old as six to eight years. All three children in the study had been persistent thumb suckers since infancy. The parents began an experimental program for 10 to 20 minutes each day at bedtime. At first, the parents read favorite stories to their child no matter whether or not the child did thumb sucking. Uh, figure th three to seven shows the data from six-year-old Heidi, and it is clear 
that story reading did not eliminate the undesired behavior. Then, a period of punishment by subtraction was initiated. The parents stopped reading when the thumb touched or entered the mouth, and only resumed reading when the thumb sucking ceased. There was a rapid suppression of thumb sucking, as can be seen in the data at period B. When the punishment was temporarily discontinued, and the parent read stories whether or not the child sucked on the thumb, the thumb sucking reappeared, period C. When the parents resumed punishment by subtracting their reading, when they noticed thumb sucking, their response again declined. Thumb sucking was eliminated in all three children. Isn't that interesting? I, I find this book endlessly, endlessly interesting. You can get a used copy of it on Amazon for just $4. How incredible is that? Um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I might call this episode in defense of negative punishment, although I probably will not start calling myself a positive reinforcement and negative punishment dog trainer. I suppose I am. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, telling your friends, and shopping in our online store. Learn more about School for the Dogs and sign up for lots of free training resources on our website, schoolforthedogs.com.